Hello, I am Joel McLeod. And I'm Roland Tanner. And welcome to the 905er. Looking at the federal polls, it is clear that change is coming to Canada, especially in the 905. If most recent polls are to be taken as true, then the 905 is poised to see a massive shift to the right during the next federal election. It seems that Canadians en masse want Pierre Poilievre to be the next Prime Minister of Canada. Now, we know to our listeners that phrase seems absurd or alarmist. However, it would be a disservice to ourselves and you, our listeners, to not look at the facts head-on. Consistently, polls from various sources are indicating an electorate that increasingly wants a conservative government. Roland and I were puzzled as to why the data indicated a massive change was happening in our region, yet we couldn't find anyone who mirrored that back to us. No one we talked to indicated an enthusiasm for Minister Pierre Poilievre. We also recognized the fact that we live in the age of social media bubbles. We decided that we needed to find new sources to talk to about this coming shift. To that end, we cast a big net to see if we could find someone who was giving the Conservatives a good look this coming election and wanted change. This wasn't scientific nor a comprehensive process, but it was us stepping outside of our bubble to find a different perspective. Our guest today agreed to come on and share her perspective on the change that is happening in the 905 and why she believes Canadians are fed up with Justin Trudeau and the Liberal government. Carrie Black is a Hamiltonian and entrepreneur, a mother and wife who self-professed no political allegiance before the last few years. Today, she's agreed to come on and discuss why she is shifting to the right. Okay. Thank you, uh, Carrie Black, for taking the time from her, her very busy schedule to come on to the 905er podcast uh, today to talk, uh, to give us a, a kind of a chance to kind of go outside our, our comfort zone and, or, or outside our, our bubble and see what other people are, are thinking about the state of, state of affairs in the 905. Carrie, thank you very much for, uh, for coming on today. Hello, how are you? Good morning. Thank you for having me. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Uh, so you you got in touch with us because a, a friend of yours had saw that I was soliciting average person responses to what's, what's looking like a, a, a massive political shift in the 905 region. And you reached out to say that you, you're one of those people who are, who are, are giving that shift uh, a lot of, a lot of consideration. And I'd like to know kind of your, your thoughts when you look at that, what's, what are your concerns or, or what's, what's your feeling towards that, that shift that you're seeing coming, coming down the pipe, so to speak? Um, I would say that to be honest, the shift is not just nine Oh five. I feel the shift, mm. whether it's provincially and federally. And I think um, unfortunately, um, and I say, unfortunately, because I do believe that each level of government should not be the same uh, just for variety mm -hmm. purposes. But I would say that um, it's people are leaning more conservative or more right or however you want to put it because of this grand scheme picture of, you know, whether it's federal or provincial. Um, I think that in the 905 area, I mean, we don't necessarily elect our city ward councillors based on their 
previous parties federally or provincially, but people are kind of sick of the, you know, the, the being told how to live, how to, what to do, um, in like, you know, big, big terms of like, you know, how you run your business, who you're allowed to be around. And, you know, we saw that through the pandemic and it's shifting people more right because I think the pandemic really had, and the way it was run really had an effect on how everybody views politics, um, overall, mm-hmm. not just citywide. So you mentioned the, the, the pandemic there, and I get the sense that that's my, my, my sense that that event shifted a lot of political allegiances around. Uh, Definitely. Is that something you think that your from your personal standpoint, that, 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 happened to you that that changed your absolutely absolutely i think um you know we have a mayor who was the leader of the ndp um who when you look at her provincial you know record she really tried to push mandates and and lockdowns and um that's something that you know looking back now because it took a while for me to get there but looking back now uh with you know, the background of actually having COVID-19 and getting the vaccine and all those things. Mm -hmm. I look at her now and think that is not somebody I want representing my city, because even though she doesn't make those rules now, Mm -hmm. she is that person who pushed a lot of that narrative and the fear mongering. And even through her campaign really pushed the fear mongering with masking and all that. And I, I don't feel like that, you know, aligns with how I want my city to be viewed outside of Okay, but uh, so all right, let's let's talk about the the pandemic then. So clearly, what I'm taking from this is you didn't agree with the lockdown choices, and you didn't mm-hmm. agree with mask mandates that were imposed during during the pandemic. Is that so? Funny enough, is that actually in the beginning? Yeah, I was like, stay home, put on your mask, right. stay for sure. Um. But no, yeah, eventually I woke up, as I like to call it, as a lot of people like to call it, and uh, absolutely not. And um, even post-pandemic, you know, just watching her campaign for, for mayor, um, she, she, she held on to that fear-mongering and the, the, the demographic, I don't know if that's the right word, this, the group of people in our city who would need her to push those things because, you know, they're you know, their fears, mm-hmm. their, you know. So I was just wondering, I mean, so back back in, uh, it seems like a long time ago now, and obviously the 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 um, the masking issue was obviously very, very divisive, and, and it does seem to have, um, and across the, across the world, really, we're not just talking about Canada, it seems to have, have, have had an impact on politics, and in Canada, it seems to have sort of stuck. But the, if you think about, it, you know, who 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 was who was it who mandated that we wear masks? Was it the federal government or was it the provincial government? And I mean, my understanding is it was actually the province was the one yeah. that was saying wear masks. Well, so why well, are we blaming Doug Ford then? Well, let's 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 go there. So okay. I um. Yes, it was provincial. And actually, it wasn't even provincial. There was provincial mandates that, you know, you go into a business, you have to wear a mask or whatever. But there were mandates on businesses to create a a COVID-19 policy. Mm -hmm. And that's the slippery slope of Doug Ford, right, is that he will 
you know, I feel like he salts things and then waits for everybody else to season it kind of like he, he, he puts out, um, very like vague information. He, he tiptoes around and then has a lot of like, you know, shady deals going background, but you know, in terms of who made the rules, sure. Uh, provincially it came down to provincial, but he was, there are people behind the scenes and this is a big thing of politics that I think a lot of people don't necessarily understand. And this is why, again, I don't want to say I necessarily align with either or party is because whoever is in front, whoever their leader is, their boss is whatever, they are the puppets. They are being told, you know, what to say, what to rule. They're, they're only really a face. Same with Justin Trudeau or, or Ford or, even maybe Andrew Horvath. And I understand that, you know, as mayor, she's stepped into a big role, but she essentially still has city ward councillors who make the decisions. And, and so, um, yes, I guess Doug Ford provincially made those rules, um, but that was handed down and all of the information was handed down. And I think at the time, everybody was kind of just doing what they thought was best based on the information mm -hmm. they had. Same with like me in the beginning. Yeah, I, I masked, I stayed away, okay. I did what I had to do. Did you, so did you have anybody, any relatives or anybody in your family or friends who who was, you know, hospitalized with, with COVID-19? Anybody who, who died as a result? I do. Uh, on both. Yeah. So I do have a, um, a friend. Well, it's my, my cousin's father-in-law passed away with COVID-19. Um, there's a difference in how we say that, right? And we after 2021, 22 started to hear that from the province that it, there was a difference between dying because of COVID-19 and with COVID-19. And I think that that was a big difference. So he died with COVID-19 for sure. But this was a man who um, was a heavy smoker or was a smoker. He every year was hospitalized with pneumonia. Um, there was medical issues in there. And so in terms of, did he die from COVID-19? Well, I don't know. I'm not a doctor. I wasn't there. How it was recorded, I didn't push that information from the family. But mm. did he die during COVID-19 and have COVID-19 when he passed away? Yes. Um, to an extent, this isn't what we're talking about on this, this episode. But, I mean, I guess I would just ask the question. I mean, um, one of the most important things and I think a message that maybe was, was was lost during this whole thing was that, you know, what we were trying to do was stop the hospitals being overloaded. So it's like, yeah, we may all get COVID-19 eventually, but let's not all get it this six months. Yeah, um, and go to the hospital at the same time. <laughs> so by masking, by taking precautions, by staying home, we can keep those levels at uh, acceptable, you know. Um, now, again, I'm not, we're not here to sort of to, to re no. relitigate that whole thing. Let's not debate that. <laughs> <laughs> sure, but I mean, if you think that every, basically every level of government was unified at that time, the unity went away fairly quickly. But yes. for six months or so, certainly maybe longer, every level of government was agreeing that this was the best approach. Is it really fair now to sort of point at, say, Justin Trudeau? as the prime minister and say, you, you're the dictator, you're the guy who's ruined everything. And, and by choosing a different party, it feels like whichever party was in government at that time probably would have done the same thing, judging by the evidence we're looking at. Or do you think I'm wrong there? Um, for the record, I, I don't like Justin Trudeau. I do think he's a 
leaving yeah. as a dictator. <laughs> That's just for, for the well, record. We'll we'll touch on that later because that, that, sure. that is something I wanted I want to go down. But please, oh, your thought. Um, but no, I think that you know if if we're looking at um, you know the nine oh five. Let's mm-hmm. let's think of the nine oh five here. I think that the issue here is that people don't understand the level of of government. And so they're leaning more conservative. Now, it doesn't matter how they're leaning right now when it comes to the 905, because we just elected our mayor, Mm -hmm. who was NDP, who I actually think, you know, in terms of my 905 area, um, my MPP is Monique Taylor. She's NDP and she's amazing. She's lovely. She does great things for our community. My community is blessed to have her. Um, My city ward counselor would be conservative leaning. She's Esther Paul. She's amazing. She's um, you know, great at, to reach out to, answers her phone. Um, but I think in terms of how our city is leaning, the question is, are we asking how they're leaning for city issues or are we asking how they're leaning federally? Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm, I, and I, I, so what I'm getting the sense from your political evolution, I guess is the best way to, to point it is that during the pandemic, you you started questioning a lot of things that our all levels of government were doing, implementing. Why were they doing it? Which I think anyone anyone should should do. Now you mentioned just now that you don't like Justin Trudeau because you think he's dictatorial, and this is something I hear a lot. And I genuinely, since I have you here, I want to know what is it about him that is so dictatorial? Because okay. I'll be honest, I don't see it. I understand why people don't like him. But that is a pretty bold assertion to make about the prime minister. And I want to know why you think that that's the case. Okay. Um, Let's start with, um, let's start with, you know, how he spoke about Canadians uh, in general when people started rolling into Ottawa. Um, People went there looking for his attention you know, because I, I am a person, I didn't go to Ottawa, but I am a person who has called their office. I've called my own liberal mm-hmm. constituents or um, MPs office, never get a response. And it comes across as, well, you don't agree with me. You don't believe the things I believe. And so I'm not answering to you. You are told what to do and you follow my rules or else. Mm-hmm. And so, and that's where it comes down to, like, you know, when he said, you know, the people rolling into Ottawa are often racist, misogynistic. Um, how does he know that? Because they don't agree with his vaccine mandates. And that's something that he was dictating that every truck driver and every person to work, you know, in certain okay. things had to do. Um, and if you don't like it and you don't follow those rules and you don't, you don't agree with that, then you're this, 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 and this. And also. Um, okay. So we're going to impose these mandates on you, whether you lose your business or you can't take your kids out or whatever you want, you know? So I take it you supported the convoy then? Yeah, absolutely. So you do know that Justin Trudeau didn't actually impose any convoy mandate. It was the American government that did it. The American government said you can't enter our country unless you're vaccinated. I, I understand that. But this is again where I'm saying that we have this idea that rules are made without interference or influence Mm -hmm. or agreeance. And um, there was the same here. You couldn't come into Canada. You couldn't cross 
across the country without those the vaccines. And so there were mandates that were restricting people um, without American influence. So, so here's the thing. I, I have I've had family who lives in Ottawa through it through the, the convoy. Uh, they none of them have said they welcomed them there. None of them have said that they wanted them there. We had protests all throughout the 905. I know I've driven by many a protest outside of hospitals, outside of MPP's offices, protesting mask mandates and all that. And that's nobody argued against that. But there was a sense, from what I talked with people in Ottawa, there was a sense that this had crossed a line from peaceful protest to we're we're getting into rough territory. Um, we had on we've had on Fla, uh, Flavio Volpe who took the convoy to court to black, get them to remove the blockade at the Windsor border uh, and whatnot. And so I'm, you know, I, I, I wonder like why why did why do you think Trudeau did here? Oh, better pray it this way. Why are you angry with Doug Ford for not? Uh, Bring in the police, you know, the necessary police force to quell or to to maintain order. In why the, aren't in, I? Yeah, like why? Why? Oh, why I never it, said I wasn't. <laughs> I, I okay, don't like so, that. <laughs> okay, no, fair enough. But like, so are you? So you're upset because Justin Trudeau said, "Okay, enough's enough. I'm invoking the Emergency Act. We're shutting this thing down." Because uh, you know, people in Ottawa are saying, "I'm sick and tired. I can't sleep. I can't. I can't go out. I am tired." Enough's enough. We're shutting this down because Doug Ford didn't want to call in necessary police to maintain order. What, like, what, what? I, I'm, I am generally curious. Like, why, 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 anger, why, why the focus on Trudeau? Why this ang visceral anger towards Trudeau for him saying, "I'm just enough's enough. We need. We've had a month and a half of this. Let's get over with it." Um. Let's. Let me start by saying that. Um. My my, I don't want to call it. I'm not angry with Justin Trudeau. I can't. Okay. I don't like. It, right. No, no, um, fair enough. But uh, I don't hold any anger because, in all fairness, I move how I move. I live my life. I run my business the way I run my business, and I don't care what the, their rules are. And this is something I learned because of the convoy. So when I blame Trudeau for things that went wrong with the convoy, I mean, how many weeks were there? Why did he not one time, just once, he didn't have to be outside with them. He could have stood outside parliament, guarded behind the gates and had a press conference and just show face, just show that mm -hmm. I am your leader. I hear you. We will, you know, we are understanding that there, we have a difference here. We are going to work collectively with our governments, with our, um, our count, our oppositions, our, and we will work. He said nothing. He did nothing. Okay. He hid. And then when he chose to speak, he was insulting. And for the record, the Emergencies Act has now been deemed illegal um, and should have never happened. And if they handled it properly in the first place, knowing people were rolling into Ottawa, knowing that there was cross-country support, then I don't think they would have stayed as long as they did. And it didn't necessarily mean that they had to stay until there was change. I know lots of people who went there who weren't truckers, who weren't crossing the border, mm -hmm. and it wasn't necessarily about that. Um, I think the whole thing was handled poorly, whether it was provincial or federal. And I think this is a big reason why so many people in the 905 or elsewhere, I think worldwide, actually, if you really look at it, are leaning conservative 
because it started there. A lot of people started to look at how um, Ottawa was handled, how the convoy was handled, and thought, mm, that's not sitting well with me. And then started digging into why. And I'm one of those people because I, I until that moment, I did all the things I was told to do. I did all mm -hmm. the things. I followed all the rules. And when that happened and people started rolling into Ottawa, truckers or not, how he handled it, how Christia Freeland handled it, how Doug Ford handled it, really made me take a step back and go, okay, something's not right here. And that's when I started to learn about outside influences. So tell us a little bit about, you. I mean, you're based in Hamilton. Um, yeah. And you write, you're a business owner, is that right? I am, yeah. And uh, so, so tell us a bit about your business. I mean, how how did, how have, um, say, the, the current federal government's uh, policies sort of directly impacted your business um, sort of day to day? I mean, if they, I mean, did you, did you, and I mean, that could be a good thing in a good way or a bad way. I mean, did you get, did you um, take advantage of any of the, say, the uh, the the um, the funding yeah. situation? Drink. I can't remember the all the all the names have gone out of my head. I apologize. The, there's okay. the various sort of business supports that happened during COVID, or have there been other things that that you know actively hurt your business? So um, we own Black Diamond Concrete and Drain Specialists. We do a lot of work for new builds, custom homes, um, and so during the pandemic you know lockdowns where a lot of people couldn't work we're very fortunate because we were in home building to have been able to work now granted everything slowed down the price of wood went up you know for our for, like our farms and yeah. and concrete went up everything went up right we all know that um and yeah. has only risen since um but in terms of actually working we're very blessed to have been able to work still um through COVID-19 I would say that you know, the slowdown to building homes happened, of course, because one at a time trades had to go in and then there had to be time and then the next person had to go in and not too many people on site. So, I mean, that was a pain in the ass, but that was the kind of the kickoff to how business has slowed. Now, again, we're very fortunate where we have great contracts and things like that. But if you look now, because of inflation, because of interest rates, because of mortgage rates, um, Home building is super slow. Nobody can afford to buy a home right now, especially not brand new. Uh, I don't want to say nobody, but most people for sure. Uh, we have this massive housing crisis. Um, I mean, I feel like it's countrywide, but I personally see it here in Hamilton. Obviously, mm -hmm. I know you guys must see this too. Um, because if people can't afford homes that have been built, you know, in the eighties and the seventies and however, Imagine trying to buy a home now. Like, I mean, I bought my house in 2014 for about 340, let's say about 344. This house now, I mean, yes, we've done renovations, but would sell for close to a million dollars. And that to me is just mind boggling. Imagine buying a brand new home and then trying to furnish it. So construction work, not just ours, but construction work in, in new homes has completely slowed down when our federal government is promising to, you know, get houses built. We got to work on the housing crisis. And I'm looking at that as somebody who works in that field going, mm, that's a bunch of bull because none of that is happening. It's completely slowed down. Uh, okay. Right. And so yes, I did take advantage of SERB. So we did take um, one of the SERB loans 
Okay. Uh, it came to us. It actually is interesting that it came to us in a letter uh, offering it. Right. And I remember thinking like, well, how do I do this? There wasn't a whole lot of like, how do I actually apply for this? How much do I actually get? When do I pay this back? Kind of thing. It was kind of like, this is available to you. Uh, here it is. This is how you apply for it. Kind of. Um, and I remember reaching out to my accountant and saying like, Hey, should we, do we take this? Like, do we know what it's going to be? And he's like, listen, take it. Don't touch it. Put in an account, hold on to it. Don't touch it. So we, we actually just paid it back. Uh, like two weeks ago, I didn't touch it. You know, we got 40,000 sat there. It's been paid back. We haven't used it. We never dipped into it. And we're very grateful and very, very blessed to not have been able to, or needed to do that. But it never sat well with me. Like, how are all these people getting money, offered money, but there's not a whole lot of information. And actually even um, paying it back, when I when I logged into my online banking a couple of weeks ago, I saw a due date on it, uh, February, I think it was February 4th. And I thought, huh, that's in like four days. How come no one sent me a letter? I've got all these letters from CRA. You owe this, you owe this, you owe this, but not that. Um, and I thought that was weird. And so I just went, I called my bank and I said, I'm just going to put it back into there and they'll just pull it. And even then I had no idea how I'm paying this back. And then the next day it was gone. Like the whole, it came across in my account as a loan. The loan was gone. And I was like, even that I can understand now somebody who doesn't work in an office, who doesn't run a business, who doesn't look at numbers and QuickBooks, for example, all day would struggle to pay that back because there was no transparency. And that's a big part of this, so, why people are leaning right. So let's let's go further down the, this path then. So you're clearly leaning federally to in, to supporting Pierre Polyev and the conservatives federally. Absolutely. What is it about Pierre Polyev that you find attractive? Okay. <laughs> Can I ask? I'm going to ask a question because again, I didn't really look into you guys. Are yeah. either of your parents? Do you have parents? Yeah. Kids? Yeah. A hundred percent. My first standpoint with Pierre is that he's uh, more considerate of parental rights. Of um, definitely a big one is that he answers the damn question. Uh, he. What's what? What's the question? Does he answer all the questions? I mean, if you look at them you know, let's call it debating. Um, every time he asks a question, it's avoided. Every time he puts out a number. Is it Trudeau question... you mean? I'm sorry? Sorry, you mean Trudeau when you say a question's avoided? Oh, absolutely. well, all of yeah. them. Do you, yeah. do you not find every? Oh, I see. I think... right, yeah. Even myself, I, I randomly ran into my, uh, to Lisa Hefner at the park. And uh, I just wanted to ask her some questions. And I left there and looked at my husband and he said, how dumb do you feel right now? <laughs> I said, okay, so, so I my, have no idea what we just talked about. Like, well, well, I here's a question. I, gonna... I, don't, I see, I don't find Pierre Play have answers any questions. Huh. I, 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 I've, I've seen him in front of reporters ask him questions and he, I don't get a straight answer from him. And I'm wondering what, what, do, when you listen to him speak, what, what specifics do you take away in terms of a plan of action to address your needs? And, I, and I'm not, and I, because I hear platitudes, I don't hear specifics. I'm, I'm wondering, I think this is what I want to get into. You're hearing yeah. something different than what I'm hearing. And I want to know what you're yeah. hearing when you, when you hear him speak. 
I hear a lot of common sense and I know that that's his lingo, right? He uses the common sense a lot, but I hear common sense. When he talks about building homes, um, the amount of time it takes to get permits in uh, years, you know, the amount of funding that goes to right. mainstream media, I hear that. And I agree with that. The amount of funding that goes to CBC, the amount of buildings that Rogers and CBC owns in Toronto that are, you know, for what we have people sleeping on the sidewalks. Um, okay. And he says, I will take those buildings and I will convert them to homes or I will help the city build. I, he I heard that. Uh, when he talks about permits, I hear that because as somebody in construction, the amount of time it takes to get a permit to actually get work done right. is ridiculous. It's a, it's a bunch of bureaucracy. Yeah. We, well, we no, can certainly, sorry, uh, Joe, yeah, yeah, go ahead. we can certainly speak to that whole situation. But What's yeah, bread and butter? No, and I mean, it does. It takes years and years yeah. and years to build anything. Um, it's ridiculous because I can tell the, you that uh, we have more well, no, no, but the, ever but, but to the just point, get their hands dirty. But isn't, isn't the point that all, all those regulations, all, all that legislation that makes that happen is all provincial. It's not a single word of it is anything to do with the federal government. The federal government can't touch it. Well, okay, they, and here's, they might here's, say they're going to, but I mean they can't. Right, it's and here's what what I again I'm coming back to in terms of what's city, what's provincial, what's federal. Mm -hmm. There is a massive misunderstanding, not between us, but a massive mm -hmm. misunderstanding in general public of who's in charge of what. And so, yeah. when you're asking me why is the 905 leaning more conservative, I think it's because so many people disapprove and disagree with federal liberals and mm -hmm. so they don't necessarily understand that you're right permits and yeah. things like that building permits come provincial but i mean if you're looking to pierre really polyev to, to yeah. make a change what what can, you know in all honesty what can pierre polyev do as prime minister that would be different to justin trudeau that would get rid of permits for you i don't think you don't necessarily get rid of permits but I feel I do feel like if Doug Ford had a, a federal conservative, his stance on a lot of things would change. I think that he's slimy enough to just kind of do what he, <laughs> do what um, he thinks is going to keep getting him paid. I think that, um, you know, he doesn't necessarily stand. He's not a true conservative. And so he'll he'll do, uh, you know again, what I think he, he thinks he has to do to get paid to grease the wheels. And if he had someone with a conservative background, he would do that as well. Like, but do you think Doug think Ford has any motivation? I mean, given, you know, what happened with the green belt thing where, you know, what yeah. the allegation is that, that, you know, basically he's doing deals with his developer buddies. Totally is, believe no, it. Yeah. Personally. So, so given that, um, isn't his entire motivation, isn't his character as, as premier since 2018, that he'll do anything he can to reduce that red tape, to get rid of those permits. And that's pretty much what, you know, in so far as his government has a sort of guiding principle, it's make things easier for developers. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I feel like that's a fair thing to say about him. I don't think he'd really dispute that. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and yet we're still we've still got all these delays. So it, it just seems I'm, I'm just questioning how you can kind of say, well, this is a reason to support Polyev when even the most developer friendly premier you're probably ever going to get can't do anything about it or isn't doing oh. anything about it. 
Um, oh, I missed what I was going to say there. I need to wag my finger. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> Take your time. I talked to my city ward councillor about that briefly uh, back in, I feel like it was late summer 22. And we discussed, you know, this expansion in Hamilton. We're going to have a lot of buildings going up. I know on the corner of Stone Church and Upper James on the right behind Limeridge Mall. Um, I think they're building one at uh, Upper Montworth and Rymel. Like there's just going to be a lot of buildings because we have so much immigration and for nowhere for people to go. So, I mean, immigration is a federal, however, building, you know, is provincial and and comes down to working with municipal municipalities. So again, what are we going to do? I mean, if you can't build past Rymel Road, and I think this was, I'll be completely transparent here is I knew that this Greenbelt issue, you know, he was going to get tied up. I didn't really look into it as much because he's slimy to me and I just know that like we've got a lot of really strong smart people uh pushing up against him so but in terms of moving past Rymel my city ward counselor talked about how like you know that's they're going to get a lot of pushback but you have to you know there's a lot of people out there around mm-hmm. pumps and cisterns so you have to get the work rolling and if you don't where does everybody go I think we're at this kind of collision standpoint right now where you know if we're going to talk about what's happening citywide or we're going to talk what's happening provincially, we have to understand that federal influences that whether they, the federal makes that decision or not, everything comes down to they have to work collaborative, collaboratively together. And right now we have you know, a liberal uh, prime minister, a conservative premier, and then an NDP mayor, a new democratic mayor. Mm-hmm. Um, and in my opinion, I don't think they're working well together. I think uh, ideally it would be nice to have, you know, a little bit of everything, but they're just not working well together because there's so much chaos and so much commotion that they're just, you know, there's a lot of what I like to call it flabbergasted issues happening. I, I, one of the reasons why I was kind of excited to have you on, Carrie, is the fact that you are an entrepreneur and, and, and a business owner. Um, and this is something I've, I always get... F- I can't square my myself around when people say they like Pierre Poyev because he's gonna he's gonna help solve the affordability crisis and we're all gonna go back to work and all this. What's your opinion of the fact that Pierre Poyev has never held a job outside of politics? He gra- he graduated from university at the age of twenty five and got a six figure job. He has never he has no accomplishments in the House of Commons. He's passed no bills, no legislation. Um, his claim to fame is that he was the democratic reform minister and the one thing that he tried to get passed which was to rig the conservatives to have a a leg up on every election since failed you you're somebody who's work you're you work to build your business you've worked to build a successful business yeah what i'm just like you're an accomplished woman and i'm wondering like why do you what do you think what do you think pierre polyev we're going to put him in charge of the country and this man has essentially just failed up all of his life what what what's the appeal of that to you <laughs> when you word it that way it's not a whole lot but <laughs> well, that's how i view uh, it not I, I just can't square that away of like this guy has I, never I actually worked at it but here's the thing he's a politician he's a politician uh-huh. through and through always has been always will be that's where he has been and i don't think that justin trudeau's teaching background and and 
drama teaching has helped our policies either. Um, and and it's not so much that I necessarily uh, support or want Pierre Polyev to be our prime minister because um, I did vote for the leader of the uh, Conservative Party and I didn't vote him as my number one option. I actually voted Leslin Lewis as my number one option because she's a lawyer, she's a doctor, she's a mother. Um, she comes from personal experience. She's also in Ontario. Those are things I like. Um, she's approachable, she's speakable. Anyways, I digress. Um, it wasn't necessarily that I want Pierre, Pierre Polyev to be our prime minister because I think he's going to get the job done. I don't. I think every politician in their own way, once they, uh, be before, or once they become leader of whatever, um, are just as corrupt as the next one and can easily be swayed and paid to do and say what they're told. And, and we saw this with Pierre this week, actually, uh, with uh, Danielle Smith making the new laws on um, parental rights and, and uh, hormone blockers and things like that. You know, that's a that's a conservative stance and he waited right he waited till everybody had said their piece and given their opinion and and supported or not supported then he said something and this is something we see a lot with Pierre is not necessarily that he's the leader and he's going to be you know the hero no he waits he listens to his cabinet he talks to his people and he attacks the issues and comes up with um not necessarily solutions but he knows what to say about the things that people are irritated about. And so do I necessarily care that Pierre Polyev is the leader? No, but I do think we need to move federally conservative. So here's so, a, actually just, sorry, Joe, just sort of jump in again there. Just um, the, so the, the thing that I hear him talk about, and you, you've touched on these, and I think maybe we need to sort of, we should head, look at them head on rather than sort of skate past them. And so, so one of those is, you mentioned that the kind of what do you describe as parental rights, um, which um, I suspect maybe has a lot to do with the kind of trans debate um, and also the issue of immigration. Now, those are things that both seem to be concerns that um, one way or another is 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 brought up by uh, by the conservatives. Uh do you are those things do you do you feel that those are, are that are key going to be key issues at the next election 100% and, and yeah. so you you I mean do you do you say for instance do you I mean are you someone who thinks you know like there's an agenda of teachers trying to convert our ch all our children to be trans or something going on or um there are you know immigration needs to be stopped or are these these things that you would support no, actually, I used to work for the board and I have most of my friends are teachers. We have some amazing teachers in, in Hamilton. We have some really great schools and principals. Um, I wouldn't say that teachers are necessarily pushing a trans agenda. That's not that's. And I think that's a big part of why there's so much division. Right. Um, there, that's one part of it. There's a big gray area that people aren't talking about because that's that's what gets people heated, right? It's it's a dark, it's a deep uh, conversation. And to be fair, it's nobody's business what happens in another person's home with their parents and their children. Uh, when it comes to our, our teachers pushing a trans agenda, that's a broad statement. I wouldn't say teachers. I would say there are teachers, absolutely. And we saw that in Toronto, um, there was a grade five teacher who um, 
put on the class Twitter page on Easter that my Jesus is trans. Now, this is a big, this is kind of for me anyways, I'm not sure about everybody else, but this is where this kind of really sparked my interest as a parent because this is Ontario. Um, and he was teaching it's in a Catholic funny. school. <laughs> yeah, it's funny the the things that we object about. I, mean, I would, I find something objectionable in that statement. Yeah, um, not necessarily the trans bit. Well, I mean, I don't particularly give a crap about the trans bit. The bit, the bit about Jesus annoys me. <laughs> but anyway, carry on. I'm just interrupting. Right. What What about that annoys you? Well, I, I personally, I don't think the state has any business teaching people relig religion, and that's, I don't think there should be a separate school system. For, I, for, I actually yeah. completely, I used yeah. to very much agree with that until these issues started to come around. And now I'm forever grateful that my kids go to a Catholic school because those issues are taken out more. And so right. I, I that's, that is a good statement that not necessarily school should be teaching religion. And that's just as much a personal choice as your sexual orientation or anything else. However, if in terms of choose this or choose this, public or Catholic, I'm thankful I chose Catholic so, because my kids aren't learning that, you know, they, they gender roles are based on your body parts and um, you can choose your so, sexual orientation and gender at kindergarten. So the, the concern I know a lot of people have, I, and I'll, I'll kind of put my cards on the table with this, is to bring it back to the federal federal issue is... We've covered a lot of uh, a lot of the, the topics that Pierre probably is is campaigning on, essentially housing affordability uh, and whatnot. And we've talked to a lot of experts, econo uh, economists, and, and grassroots poverty activists, and and, and developers, etc., and said like, well, how how do we solve this? And it's a complicated issue. It's very it's, it is yeah. We we do not have the time to go into it, but I find Pierre's simplistic messaging disingenuous. That because. Hmm. Um, Here's the thing: Trudeau is doing what he wants to do. Put you know, take on the gatekeepers, and he wants to give money to cities based on you've got to provide so much housing. Um, my my worry is this: that simplistic approach isn't going to work unless he comes out and says, "I'm going to actually build housing. Like I'm actually going to put like brick and mortar house affordable housing." Then that might be a game changer. My worry is this: um, the I, I don't hear any specifics. I hear a lot of platitudes and I hear a lot of, th ironically, I hear a lot of what Justin Trudeau said in 2015, but from a conservative point of view. Um, and I find that things aren't going to get done because it's simplistic. I know for a fact, we've talked with many counselors in the 905 and mayors who are saying, don't tell us what to do, federal government. Get off okay. our backs and don't tell okay. us. But Pierre's going to say, I'm going to tell you. So I'm yeah. seeing a lot of confrontation coming along down the pipeline if he gets elected, which means nothing gets done. We're still square one. My worry then is he did, he stopped, we stopped talking about these real issues, affordability, housing, immigration. We stopped talking about that because that's too hard to deal with. Instead, we switch over to the parental rights debate, as you said, where quite frankly, I'm of the mindset of it's a doctor, it's a medical opinion. It's a medical decision between a doctor and their patient and the parents should be involved, but there's no such thing as parental rights. I do not have a right over my children. I have a responsibility to care for them, to protect them, feed them, clothe them. They have a right to be, I, I can't, I can't force them to do anything. They have their own huh. rights. Well, they do. Cause we have an entire ministry geared towards taking kids away from parents. There's a ministry of children's services. That's their entire job is 
You abuse your kid, we take you away. Okay, but there's a big difference between abusing your child and uh, objecting to a gender transition. Might that's be, a- but that's but that's that's where I don't think the state has anything to do with that. To to insert because we're. I, I agree. Well, that's it a does, pri- because it comes down to the Ministry of Health. Then you get, you know, do you not, do you not know, like nobody like like when a child says, "I want to transition." It's not like an overnight thing. Like they just go down to the hospital and it's like, "Okay, we'll sign you up for the procedure." It's a long, complicated. Like it takes years, and there's a lot of psychologists, psychiatrists that are involved. To say, "Are you sure you want to do this? Are you I'm sure?" I'm not going to debate this with you. I I disagree. But, to be honest. I, I'm not well, d- disagree on how it's happening. Uh, but my point, my point is just that Pierre, I find that Pierre is going to capitalize on that. And I know for a fact, there will be kids who will feel harmful. There are parents who will say, you're not, you're harming my kid because you're making them say they're wrong. They're broken. They are, they're, they're wrong. There are parents who, who want this like, to be able to say, I want to have the right or to have that ability to say, this is what's best for my child. Nobody's forcing transitions on anyone. That's and that's what I find. This is just this argument. This you, conversation you is just you don't feel that um, the option for transitioning has risen because of social uh, influences. I think it's a left-handed argument. I think it's the fact that we now say it's okay if you identify as trans as a trans person. Mm-hmm. You don't have to hide who you are. Yeah, and nobody's not, saying no. nobody's saying. Wrong. But my, well, my, I'm, not, my, I'm not saying that. I know. Sorry. I'm, not, I'm not. I'm not accusing you. But my, there are people who are. When we've talked, I've reached out to both. I've reached out to trans parents of trans students and trans students, and I ask, like, are, who's pressuring you to do this? Is there? And it's like, they're not. It's a journey for them. It. It. T- this isn't like an overnight thing. And I find that it's one of these cases where the government really does just need to step out and say, this is a decision between a doctor and a patient, mm. and they have to sort it out. It's no different than me say, than a doctor saying to you as a woman, you don't get to have, you can't have the right to an abortion because we think you need to do that. It's the same, it's the equivalent argument in my, in my opinion. Okay. So the, the issue here to, to me is that you're looking at this as black or white and there's a lot of gray area. Um, I do think there's gray area and that's why I yeah, think well, the government needs to step out. Well, I, that's what, that's, yes no, I think that, I think that the government needs to step in However, not in a black and white stance, right? Um, the government and, doesn't operate in, bl- in gray areas. They operate in black and white. It is, you can do this or you can't. And I find like- Well, then I, in I, terms I, of which side I'm leaning on, I'm leaning conservative. I, I get it. I get and that, it. And, and I don't I, think I'm alone. And that's why I decided to come on and discuss this. Because mm-hmm. if we're looking at our 905 area, why are people leaning conservative? Um, it's because the Trudeau government, the, the, the left- have made it so much um, uh, but telling people can, what can I, to do. But can I, but, okay, so here's, but th- this is where I'm, 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 I still can't grasp my head around it. And I'm trying, I'm, so at the start of this, you said that you started on this journey towards embracing the conservative government because you didn't like the fact that the Trudeau government or the Ford government was imposing mandates and telling us, we had to wear a mask. We had to get vaccinated. We had to do this. Yeah. But at the same time, you're thinking the ma- the next major issue of the next election will be parental rights, where 
the government is saying, you cannot do this to your body. You cannot get this done to your body. And like, do we're you, talking do about you know, children, right? We're not talking about adults. We're talking about, we're talking about fam, family, families, parents who say, I want, I, my kid wants to do this and I want to allow them to do it. And the government, you're saying it's okay for the government to say, nope, can't do it. We can't, we can't allow this to happen. And I'm going, why, so like, square, the square these two that, things for me. The difference here is that I oppose an adult telling another adult what they have to do. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about children making decisions. And if the family or the parent doesn't affirm that or agree with that, then that child, you know, I guess, I mean, but a child has a right um, to make those decisions. Yeah. The, the we, child we, has a right. And so that we don't like, I, 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 just, I don't, and I, I know legally, it doesn't matter. That's what the, that's what the, I, I understand that's what the that. Carter says. Okay. okay that. Let me I'm just jump in here a second. So I understand that legally the child has a right. I'm saying personally, I disagree with that. Now, whether that's legal or not, I don't care. Yeah. They're my kids. So we will make that decision. We we spoke to to um to former Premier Kathleen Wynne a few months ago on this issue, and um and obviously you're not gonna be surprised where her the which end of the spectrum her perspective came from. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I mean we spoke on that episode. I mean, like I spoke on that episode about how my own kind of opinions had started in one place and then then moved and my initial thought was yeah absolutely i mean it's like t- parents parents are the ones who are in charge here like that the parents make you know we should be second guessing parents and that seems like the most reasonable thing in the world and yep. then the the thing that, ch- that started to move my opinion um was thinking how you know we're assuming when we say something like that that all parents are perfect and yeah. unfortunately, not all pa- parents are perfect. Absolutely. And there are parents who are, um, uh, you know, I'm hoping that, that, you know, if I, you know, you're not someone who would dispute that some children are gay, some, some, no, some are gay, not. some are lesbian, some, 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 some are trans. Absolutely not. So for those students, say they have a parent who is um, very, very strictly religious for whatever reason. And a teacher comes to them and says, your child wants to come out as gay or they want to come out as trans. How, how does the so, teacher know? You're assuming the that child, the child... I'll tell you how they know. It's because the children tell them. Yeah, okay. And that's then, then that teacher would be under a legal obligation to go to a parent. This is under the kind of yeah. Alberta system. They would then be legally obliged to go to the parent and kind of rat the student out, in effect, and say, well, your, your, your child... No, no, that, that's 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 exactly what needs to happen in these situations. The teacher would be forced legally, otherwise face the sort of risk of being prosecuted, that they tell the parent. Now, in cases like that, where you've got a parent who is, um, you know, in the most charitable way in the world, uh, you know, gonna send that child to, um, uh, I mean, uh, you know, some kind. Uh, there are children who end up dead in situations like that because they are forced into situations that make them so uncomfortable and so unhappy that they commit suicide. I mean, there's a long track record of that happening in society. So the, the issue really, to my mind, is an issue of a student is entitled to their privacy. Um, uh, they're entitled to have certain things that don't make it back to their parents um, uh, for their safety. Because we don't live in a perfect world, we live in a very, very imperfect world, 
um, yep. and that we want those children to stay alive regardless yeah. of what they identify as it's, it's you know is there anything in any of that that you can object to no i actually um first of all i will say that you use the term ratting someone out and i feel like that comes with a heavy de de derogatory it comes as a negative um there are ways of approaching a parent without necessarily using the term ratting them out you know there there needs to be intervention whether that's counseling or whatever um but that still I, assumes this is still this from the students let's put it from the students point of view right um they and they're children right so children do dumb stuff information teachers learn things about students for all kinds of reasons not necessarily because the student tells them directly sure. the teacher learns the teacher is then legally obligated to inform us yeah we'll take out the ratted phrase that is a bit freighted uh they have to tell the parent that parent is a fundamentalist christian who then forces that children child to go to you know like the gaying club or whatever or, or some other kind of thing you know that 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 shuns the child or you know you know when you're talking about children who are in their later teens that child may end up being forced out of the house they may leave home mm -hmm. uh they may end up on the streets this and i'm not saying this is, is all hypotheticals this happens already this is yeah. these are things that happen regularly okay, but um, this also it, it it goes both ways it goes both ways we see now where it's no i mean i feel like it, it there's a very big not not meaning to use the term but there's a transition from feminine boys and masculine girls oh you must be trans um and i think that's that's where kids are and i could be wrong just speaking from my own personal experience this is where kids are getting confused um you know, when I was in high school, there was lots of masculine girls and feminine boys. And it didn't mean that they were the wrong gender. It just meant that that's how they were. And I think we came and I, I could be wrong, but from my perspective, we came to an understanding that that's okay. Like, so what you're a gay boy mm -hmm. and you're a gay girl and you don't follow the society norms of what a girl looks like. And that's okay. Like, who cares? Uh, and we're okay with that now. 30, 40 but years ago, became, our uh, parents oh, would have been must... saying exactly the same thing about, well, there's some agenda to make make all our children gay. Well, now we're like, oh, no, fine. children can no, be gay. No, no. And if you, <laughs> I don't know if, you, like, I, I've spoken with some high school students who, they're, it's cool to be gay. I have a friend mm -hmm. whose daughter was like, I'm, you know, I think I'm gay. She's quite young to even have that conversation, I think. But, you know, that's, they had the conversation. Now she's, you know, it's been a year or two and she's kind of come back around and on that and changed her decision on it. But it's, it's whether you see it or not, it is a cool thing to be gay right now. And that's fine. Like, but it makes me wonder, there's a lot of social influence there. Why? It's society really, isn't it? It's not, it's not government. It, I mean, most yeah, I find, I find the, the kind of pressure on children to be. To figure it out. To be, well, the pressure on them to be kind of sexually aware, sexually active, uh, to 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 ex maybe you know to explore gender in a way that we never even considered. These are all pressures that I find troubling. I, I feel like you know, childhood is a is a time when you're kind of free of that stuff. And it, yeah, it would it, be nice if they end could, you're, right? So, like, I get the, the the kind of concerns, and like, this is a world that I'm not. Uh, well, I'm not I'll tell you comfortable with. But, no, but and it, I agree, it, but I'll it, tell you this. I feel like this pressure of figuring out and confusion and 
you know, more people leaning to transitioning did start kind of open that bubble opened when Kathleen introduced uh, the new sex ed content. Um, yeah, but it, that sex ed content never even made it to the schools. I mean, it was abolished uh, before it was. Nope, it was really not. that 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 was not. Nope. You can't I, tell I, me that a global I, a global phenomenon that's happening across the world is down to the Ontario sex ed. No, but I can tell you that the global phenomenon across the world influenced the Ontario curriculum, that this is what I mean by there are talking heads and leaders who are being told what to say and what to put in place, but there is an actual agenda. And I don't know why people are ignoring that. We can't ignore the, the UN and the WHO and the World Economic Forum because they are influencing whether you want to admit it or not. Okay. They've admitted to it. Hold on, I'm going to finish this uh, because this is important to me. It has made it to Ontario curriculum. Doug Ford promised when he was elected the first time that he would remove the sex ed curriculum, and he has not. And I'll tell you, in in a school I'm aware of, there was a conversation in a grade six class where they were talking about oral sex. And a girl asked, okay, so what do you do? Do you swallow it? And the teacher said, yes, it's safe to swallow. Well, that kid went home and discuss that with her mother, who was unaware that this conversation was even going to happen. So each each grade, each year, the teacher is supposed to send home a consent form so that the parent can either opt out. It's not often in. It's a part of the curriculum, but you can opt out. Totally fair. This parent wasn't given that opportunity. And even myself, my son's in grade five, I've never seen a letter come home asking if we would like to opt out. It's never, ever come home. My daughter in grade two did receive it. So that's when I was like, huh, I've never seen this letter before. What is this about? So it has not been abolished. It is a part of our curriculum. I no, Well, yeah, I'm, I'm not. I, I guess Grade I'm trying, seven, I'm, they talk about anal sex for reference. And that's where things start to open up. Seven plus five is, sorry, I, I didn't grow up in a Canadian system. So I always that's have to okay. do the math. So it's about 13 years old, something like that. Grade uh, seven. 12. That's a 12 yeah yeah 11 12 um I mean, yeah 12 year olds uh, need to learn about that from their teacher well uh, they're, 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 they're i'll tell you i'll tell you about they're, they're not teaching about about that that it, the idea is if what the, happened they did teach if, about it if a question is asked well the, the teacher is equipped to how to how to respond yeah. the but child if, wouldn't I, have I, asked the question I, if the I, subject I, wasn't brought up i i i'm not getting into it i don't want to get into an anecdotal hearsay because i what I do interested in is your 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 assertion at the UN WHO and all these things. Are you so if again if Pierre Poilievre was elected, would you want him to like remove Canada from these organizations? One hundred percent, I would. Yep. Do you think, you think that's going? Do you think he's is likely that he would do I any think of that? that? He has he has promised to at this point. He's already said that if any of his ministers uh, attend the World Economic Forum, that he'll have them removed, and if he doesn't. Um, there will be a mob quite like the convoy going after his ass just the way they did after Trudeau because you can't make those promises. That's a big promise. People are very concerned about unelected, mm -hmm. uh, you know, government bodies coming in and swooping in and influencing our democracy. You can't make those promises and then renege on them. And this, this is what I'm saying is why people are leaning, okay? Mm -hmm. We're going to disagree on a lot of things, but I came on here to, to explain to you why people are leaning conservative. It's because there's a lot of policies that are in place, a lot of uh, issues that are in place, a lot of issues happening because of outside influence. And um, Polyev has, has made a 
uh, and probably because he hears people being annoyed by the World Economic Forum and the UN and the WHO, not necessarily because that's what he believes, but he he tends to say what people want to hear, right? He's going for so, premier. For so on, on, on that note, are you worried that you're being played at all? Because you like you're that same. That... No matter who's in government, okay, on any level, we're all being played always, and this is why I always come back to. I I don't necessarily align with a party. I'm probably mm-hmm. never going to agree with a single party's objections or or um priorities overall okay but i will lean where i need to lean and i will vote where i need to vote when i see that there needs to be a change that needs to be made so yes okay um you know what i mean this this conversation could go on we probably sit here all day and and go back (laughs) and forth over this but uh i know you you have you have a business to run and we our listeners are probably have hopefully they're playing into their workplaces from their commutes uh as we speak so um i'm going to call an end to this uh, episode now it's, i think it's been about an hour so uh but carrie thank you very much for coming on um yeah we could we could probably discuss a ton of stuff in detail um, anytime anytime you want to we can pick we, this back uh, up yeah well, we really appreciate you coming on um we the pod- it's outside of our bubble yeah, well, can, I podcast you, is, can I ask you a question? Do you mind? Am I allowed to do that? Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. In terms of you say, you know, we're very progressive. What in, in what terms? Like, what would you say is progressive that you would fight tooth and nail for? Because well, I, pro- I honestly, I think I probably agree with a lot of things. We probably have a lot more in common than we here's, have. Uh, okay. Here's, here's, I'm putting the, the in this way. Um, sure. I, I agree with your assertion that the the parental rights and for those listening on the podcast i am using air quotes uh <laughs> is going to be a a major factor in the next couple of elections um i'm i'm very much in believe in protecting trans students trans rights i i i think it's it's far too nuanced to for the government to get involved i i equate, I equate it to a woman's rights to choose mm-hmm. government shouldn't be involved just between a doctor and the child there are safeguards in place to prevent it's not it, i don't buy it that it's this impulsive decision it's a journey things that w- i don't necessarily understand and i don't get i kind of look say that's weird mm-hmm. but i'm also with the mindset of it's you you do your yep. thing it's not impacting me and i don't think i don't think there's harm there any harm it's it's a minor thing and I don't think anyone's being forced to do it my yep. worry is this with Pierre Poilievre is I don't think he's going to be able to accomplish anything that he wants to get done. I really don't. I think he's too confrontational. He's too antagonistic. And I think for the pro- the provincial premiers are going to fight back with him on things. The mayors in the 905, I know for a fact, are going to fight him on everything. And I just think at the end of the day, everything that he's promising to get done won't get done because he's just not a likable guy. People don't want to sit down and say, all right, let's, let's, let's hammer this out. Like the conversation that we're having right now, Carrie, I'll put it this way. We've asked Pierre Poilievre and Melissa Lansman and a number of other conservative MPs to come on and have this conversation. You have more courage to come on and talk to us than any of them do. Mm, and thanks. I find, I, I, well, no, but that tells me something about them. It tells me a lot about you. 
And quite frankly, I'm, I am impressed that you came on here and I clear we do not see eye to eye on a lot yeah. of things. Yeah. But, and hopefully you, you feel that we've treated you. It is really important because we've, we've, hopefully you feel we've treated you and your opinions respectfully at every single point. Um, and I think we've had a really good, interesting conversation. And I don't think at any point, either, just, of, us I just was, don't, either I, of us was saying to you or you were saying to us, no, you're an idiot. That's just ridiculous. I mean, we push back, but that's would... what having a political <laughs> debate is, right? But I, yeah, I just don't, I just don't see him being collaborative we can't get to build that. With to build that. And it, <laughs> when that falls apart, my worry is that it's going to be so easy to go to trans students who are going through something. They're, they're, they're dealing with something on their own. And I think it's a matter of just saying, you deal with it and the parents who are supporting them, let them support them and let them go through it and just get out of the way. Yeah. My worry is it's so going to be so easy to say, no, it's the woke. And that's, and I don't like the term woke because I think it's too encompassing. It's too murky. It's not, it's not a, a, an actual group. It's just what is woke. It's whatever I don't agree with. And I can say, you don't like it. Um, I don't think we'll get rid of we'll, And that's what it, I, that's why I don't like pure pull yet. And, and to sort of have I, my turn it. But that, that, being said, that being said, I also understand why you don't like J Justin Trudeau. And I'm not going to say that you're wrong for not liking him because what you said, I, I get some things. There are things okay. that he's done that I don't like. I want, I think we need a UBI. That's that's being said. I think yeah, I mean, I don't think either of us would defend be any political leader at this point. No, I think that's exactly leadership. the point here. Is uh, that? But there is. People, I mean, there's people... a difference why we we lean progressive. I mean, if I can just sort of answer the question you asked a few minutes ago, um, you know, why? What makes me progressive? It's because the things I. It's, it's really a matter of priorities, right? I don't think the priority is that I'm hearing from Pierre Polyev reflect what should be the priorities in Canada right now, if we're talking about employing people, about having people who are well-educated, people who are having jobs for people, having houses to live in, I don't hear anything that he's saying to me speaks about solving those issues. I hear a lot about things like woke culture and immigration uh, and kind of what's, to me, I believe, uh, sound an awful lot, lot, lot like dog whistles, ways of getting people to vote for you creating a moral panic around something like like trans issues and like i find it the trans debate challenging i i it's 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 something new to me i didn't grow up with it i don't entirely understand it i'm willing to admit that i get it yeah. it's a challenge to me right what i won't do is let any political leader manipulate that feeling into a vote for them um when i don't really think that's that's the federal government should be worrying about. The federal government should be trying to do things that employ people. Now, I'm a fan of government spending. So I think, no, and I own a business. I've been running a business for 20 years now. So I guess that means it's kind of a success. Um, <laughs> and I never had a penny of government money or hardly a penny of government money in all that time. Yeah. Done it all myself. Yeah. And so all those good conservative principles. And yet I think government spending is a fantastic thing for the economy usually. Because using people's tax to invest in a better nation and a better nation through education, through universities, through spending and getting new businesses started up is what they should be doing. And I, we've spoken for an hour now and we hardly talked about those issues. Yeah. Even as business owners ourselves, we hardly talked about this. We talked about trans rights. 
we talked yeah. about what happened three years ago in, 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 in during COVID. But to be fair, the question was, why are people leaning conservative? Yeah, yeah. No, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not criticizing that. We talked about yeah. the issues that are absolutely at the forefront of the political debate right now, and yeah. I suspect are going to decide who wins the next election. And it's like, why am I progressive? Because I don't actually think those are the issues we should be talking about, but mm. we are, and that's the world we're in, you know. So. Kerry, I think, you know, we both really appreciate you coming on. It's been a fun mm -hmm. debate. And we can tell that from the fact we've been, this is probably the longest episode we've ever done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do this again sometime. I, I really, it's because I mean, it's, I'm a Sicilian. I could talk all day. Let's just. Yeah. Well, we really appreciate, um, we appreciate having our own opinions challenged. We appreciate your, your yeah. willingness to come on and discuss. Um, yeah. it, it's been fun. And um, uh, uh, yeah, thank you. Uh, thank you. Uh, we wish um, we could. Get, well, let's let's hope you're the first of many people who are willing to come on and and challenge our own uh, comfortable opinions. I just want to say to end this, I I didn't expect to come on here to challenge anyone. I think it's important for democracy for everyone to vote based on who they think will better support their individual family views. Mm -hmm. um, and I just think that people are leaning more conservative now honestly because of the failures of the Trudeau government and that seems to be what happens in elections as we flip-flop back and forth based on the failures oh. rather than the the winnings I think we can all 100% agree on that that statement yeah. um yeah but on that note Roland hit the hit the end button we're uh <laughs> we're gonna put this one in the can thank thanks you very so much Kira. guys Bye. thanks That's it for this episode of the 905er. Thank you for listening. As always, you can send us your feedback, thoughts, and concerns, or ideas for future episodes to our email, info at 905er.ca. We'd love to hear from you. You can help us keep the 905er going by financially supporting us through Patreon as well as PayPal. Visit us at 905er.ca and click on the support tab. As well, links are in the show notes for your convenience. Lastly, you can find us on social media. Search for the underscore 905er on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. So long for now. See you next time. Listeners, I'm Christy. And I'm Melissa. And this is Buried Motives, where we dig deep into the details of some of the most gruesome dirtbag murderers. She said she enjoyed hurting things that can't fight back. And that is a disturbing view into the mind of a murderer in such a dirtbag. 
Yeah, that's not even strong enough words. This is totally a recipe for disaster and not to justify whatever is going to happen, but you can totally understand and see how this would be in the works. If you were only to look at what she did later on and not know any of that history, she would appear like off the wall crazy. Oh, 100%. Because we're not even close to getting to the end yet. But you can just see this pattern and all this kind of stuff developing in her, which is what we're here for. We're digging deep. Join us each Thursday as we unearth the dirt bags that live among us and the motives buried there. Hope you join us as we exhume the truth.